And we're here with another episode of Conversations and Connections. We're the official podcast of the Family Crisis Center of East Texas. I'm Stuart Burson, the Prevention Coordinator for the agency. And today we have Katherine Johnson with us. She's part of the Family Crisis Center staff. She is our Special Projects and Compliance Director. Katherine, that's a big title. It is. <laughs> Uh, well, well, thanks. This has been a long time planning just because, and I'll, you know, of course, we kind of joke about it, but you are a very busy person. And I, when I was looking at my show notes, when I first asked you to do the podcast and I typed them up, it was like back in June, I think. Yeah. So just like, just like everybody else at the agency, I mean, we're a nonprofit and so we wear many different hats. Yeah. And then there were some other reasons that I was out and things like that. So, but yeah, it does, uh, well, it does get pretty, pretty busy. Sometimes. Well, I finally decided so I'm not going to pester her anymore about it. When she gets ready to do it, she'll do it. And you actually said, Hey, let's do the podcast. So I, I appreciate it. Um, well, first of all, and I guess if you could just kind of sum it up, what exactly does the special projects and compliance director do here? So, well, I'll just kind of break it down. So yeah. starting with the compliance part of it, what I do is we have our, basically our database that is the culmination of all the work that everyone does. Everyone from presentations and things like that that you do actually mm -hmm. to our staff working directly with clients. And so all of that information has to be put into our database and we have to maintain those files for multiple different reasons. But mainly our database we use to pull that information to in turn share with our community to let them know, okay. you know, where we're at in sure. our community, how, how we're providing those services. And then also it goes to all of our grants. So whenever our grants request certain things, um, then we have to provide that information to show right. them that we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. And, you know, and I don't know how many people really, I guess, realize it, you know, I mean, we say all the time we're, you know, a lot of our funding is, is grants and it's more to a grant than, okay, we're gonna give you some money. You do what you do. You know, a lot of these, um, the grantors want to know how we're utilizing the money they give us. Sure, absolutely. And so that's how we do that. We, yeah. We're able to turn over those reports to them. And not just the grants, but it also we're able to share mm -hmm. that information just like we do during Domestic Violence Awareness Month, which we're mm -hmm. in right now. So some of the information that we share, we can specifically pull information about our different areas of service. And we can show them, you know, like this is the number of people that we served in this community during this time. And, and so we use it for a lot of different things. Sure. Um, but then the special projects piece of it is kind of something that – um, Heather Cardi, our old uh, ED, she came up with to kind of culminate all of the things that I do that's kind of extra. Um, so if something, if a special project or something comes up or a special need comes up, then yeah. that's where that comes in. So other things that I do also include our MOUs or memorandums of understanding with other agencies. Um, just basically saying, Hey, we're this agency, we're going to do this and you guys are going to do this. And so kind of maintaining those mm -hmm. things. Um, but then basically anything else that comes up as well, which one of those things is I'm also involved in BIP. And so, um, even though it, it doesn't fall in that big title, um, I'm also the BIP director. So that kind of came in as a special project as yeah, well. Yeah. 
and uh, do cultural diversity trainings and different trainings like that with all the staff. So kind of any of those extra things that I can sure. pick up that I try to do those as well. And, I, and, and that's some of the things I want to talk about, uh, talk to you about. Uh, I, I want to kind of go back a little bit to you being the director of the BIP program. Now, um, you know, Will has been on the podcast for, of course, you know, Will uh, kind of helps facilitate the, 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 the BIP groups. Of course, BIP is... Battering Intervention Prevention Program. And, and this is for um, the perpetrators, yes. right? That, so uh, so we have a program for that. And, and I guess one of the things, it's and, and the BIT program is all men. And yes. that's one of the interesting things I was wanting to get your uh, insight on is a program for men who have... Uh, Either I guess most of them are or kind of required by the court system to attend BIP because sure. they've been um, um, there's been se- some type of violence seen as a perpetrator. Women. Let's yes. say violence against women, and you're a woman in in charge of the program. How uh, how do men react? Because you do, you go to some of the the BIP um, facilitations and in the programs. What is their reaction when, um, you know, this is going on in their lives and they go to this group and there's a woman kind of directing the discussion? Yeah. So um, Will and I are the facilitators for our BIP program, so we always facilitate together. And um, usually they deal with Will first because he's our coordinator, so he does Mm -hmm. all of our intake and everything like that. So, yeah, usually the first time they see me is whenever I come in. And uh, we've actually talked to them about that, some of our groups, and say, you know, well, what did you think about, you know, me being in the group? And they definitely say, you know, well, we didn't expect a woman to be in the group. We didn't expect you to be here. Sure. Um, But the reality is, is that um, I walk in and I respect them, so therefore... I demand respect back. And so I feel like as long as I'm giving that, then they give that back. Um, Some of the men in in the beginning don't want to make eye contact with me. They may not want to talk to me. And so they kind of, even if I directly ask them a question, they may refer to Will. Um, And that just seems to be a comfort level thing. And that usually goes away after so many weeks. Okay. So what was your initial reaction when you were asked to be in charge of the BIT program? Well, so I started out as a legal advocate with the agency and I worked directly with our victims, our Uh survivors. And so um, when I was approached about um, being just a facilitator of the BIT program, I really had to stop and think about it and decide if I was in a place where I could work with um, our offenders or if I was still going to be mainly survivor focused, because I do very much believe that if you don't have faith that this bit program works and the, um, curriculum works and that men can actually make those changes and do the work to change that they will definitely call you out on that. If, if, um, I didn't truly believe that they can make those changes. Um, I don't think that I could be a facilitator. And so, um, but questioning myself, you know, was I ready to put my faith in them, I guess, to some degree. Um, but then also just putting your faith in not only my other facilitator and will, but also in our curriculum and, 
and in myself learning how to manage those situations and and uh, also within myself learning to um, know that men can change yeah if yeah. they choose to and I guess that's of course now this is outside of my realm, but I can kind of see how it would be maybe important to kind of tell them, look, we're not going to be man bashing or, or anything like, cause I kind of sometimes think I have to say that when I do my prevention work, even, you know, look, we're not here to tell men quit being men or we're not here to, to shame you because you're a guy or anything like that. Yeah, you know? absolutely. I, Will and I decided a long time ago that our program is not about shame and blame. Yeah. Um, you are correct. The majority of the people that we have in our groups are or have committed some violence mm-hmm. against women. So, um, but we're not a court system. They have been given their punishment and we are not there to do that. We expect them to make changes. And so I don't think that you can... Um, expect someone to make a change when you're sitting there shaming them for something that they've already done. Right. And so, um, you know, we have to encourage them that they can change and understand why they need Mm -hmm. to make those changes within themselves. And, um, it's, it's, it's different than, you know, we don't teach people when you get angry, count to 10. Not that that's a bad thing to learn, but we go a little bit deeper than that. We want to know why you're angry about it in the first place. So sure. we're, we're really asking a lot of them. Um, we're really asking them to be very vulnerable with us. And so um, you have to give them that space yeah. to be that. So. Yeah. Catherine, you do so many things you know we and we kind of touched on this at, at at the beginning and probably the main interaction i ever have with you really is especially during our staff meetings or all staff meetings um it seems like you usually have something to present to us uh, on the topic of cultural diversity which which is important uh, and it, it seems like it's probably in this day and age, it's a bigger thing than ever before. Um, what do we mean when we talk about cultural diversity? What? Uh, well, we do hit we do hit all the basic things. It's such a PC term. Yes, you know? <laughs> it is. And and quite honestly, I have to be um, completely honest with how I kind of took that role. Um, and. Like you said, my thing is, is I train our staff, um, not our survivors Mm -hmm. or anything like Mm -hmm. that. And so we do all the main topics. We've done religion and race and um, gender stereotypes, things like that. Um, We've hit on a lot of those things. But I think we also go just a step further than that. And we talk about um, very specific things that may kind of go a little bit outside of that that term cultural, I guess, Uh but we do talk about, um, you know, survivors that are in the military and how they may um, react differently to our services than others. Um, We also talk about um, survivors with pets and how that affects them. Um, We talk about the differences in rural and urban and how we, um, there are different types of challenges for our rural communities and how we deal with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and just being rural in general, yeah. um, you know, and so we do hit all the, the, the main cultural topics, but then we also go a little bit further too. And um, I think that helps because 
it shows us, you know, who our survivors are and how we can relate to them. Yeah. Well, you just kind of probably hit on <clears throat> the, my, my follow-up question to this is, you know, cultural diversity is a very important thing in any workplace. Uh, but how would you say it really is important for an agency like the Family Crisis Center? Yeah, so I think first and foremost, you have to look at it on two different levels, right? So we have cultural diversity among our staff, first of all. And so um, how do we relate to one another? Um, mm-hmm. I think the agency has just within ourselves and you know, like I said, among staff, we have to be able to work together as well and know where the other is coming from. And so how do we relate to one another? So we, you know, talk about that, but we also talk about it in the realm of our survivors. Um, We provide services to everyone, um, men, women, children, and it doesn't matter where you come from, what language you speak or Mm -hmm. anyone, anything else. So um, we have to be able to relate to that person on some level. And so sometimes that means us stepping outside of our comfort zone and maybe having to use language line to be able to speak to them in some way or having an interpreter help us. Or sometimes it's something as simple as learning about, you know, if we're providing a food box for that person, it may not be the same kinds of foods that we're used to having in our daily lives. And so being aware of those small different changes really makes um, our survivors and our clients feel welcomed whenever we're open to learning those things. So, okay, great. Um, So let's talk a little bit. How did you find yourself where you are today, you know, I, I know Catherine, uh, my coworker a little bit, but you know, we don't really work a lot together. So I don't know a lot about, um, your history or anything. Are you, are you from this area? Yes. So born and raised in Nacogdoches County Okay. and, uh, moved away for a little bit after college to Austin and stayed there for several years and, uh, came back and it's really interesting that um, I can remember being in my twenties and driving by the women's shelter in Nacogdoches when we actually had an office there yeah. and thinking, man, I would really like to work for the women's shelter. But my second thought after that was, um, I really need to grow up and, <laughs> and uh, uh, learn some more about myself before I yeah. do that. And then um, I actually knew Glenna Harkness and worked with her in the past at a nonprofit and, uh, she was currently working here as our program director, and okay. uh, she's like, hey, we have this position open. And I was like, you know, I've always wanted to work for the Family Crisis yeah. Center, so for a women's shelter. Um, did you go to SFA? I did. Okay. And I graduated in 2007, and that's when I moved to okay. um, Austin after that. But um, started really working at um, nonprofits uh, when I was – uh, 19 years old, I worked through AmeriCorps, and I was part of uh, Core Cross Texas, which was a special AmeriCorps program for Red Cross in Texas. Okay. And uh, my first day was September 7th of 2001. Oh, wow. And okay. And so it was kind of trial by fire. Yeah. And learned very quickly about um, disasters within our communities and um, everything from you know, house fires to, of course, national tragedies and things like that. So um, I think that's what kind of changed my world. And I've pretty much worked for nonprofits ever since. 
So what did you, uh, you, you graduated from SFA? Uh, what's your degree? I have yeah. a Bachelor of Applied Arts and Science in Allied Health and Sociology. Okay. All right. And what made little Catherine decide this is the field that you want to be in? Because this is a very giving field, you know, uh, any type of uh, service, uh, public service or community service like what we do. Um, did you know early in life that you was wanting to do something like this? Um, I think to some degree I probably did. Um I wasn't always 100% sure what I wanted to do. My brother got that uh, that golden ticket to know what he always <laughs> wanted to be and made that happen. But um, but my family has always been a family of service. Um, yeah, okay. Um, my grandmother was a mayor of our small town. My dad was in um, I did not public know that. service as a police officer. My mom okay. worked at a bank for many years, so she was, you know, service to the community. Okay. And then um, now my brother is a fireman and has been for many, many years. And so um, I think that's kind of where it started. Um, we seem to be a family that wants to serve people in some yeah. way, shape, or form. And so um, I think my years at Red Cross really formed um, my thoughts about um, helping people that were in crisis. And so moving towards this just seemed a natural progression. And uh, my grandmother was very, very um, strong in you know, that fighting for women's rights and things like that. And so um, a lot of opportunities that she didn't have um, were given and presented to me. And so I think I just inherently learned that from her and tried to help teach women to be really strong in situations. And and I think that just um, grew into not only teaching women to be strong in domestic violence situations, but men, but men as well, because we know men can be victims too. So, um, but having an open heart to accept that and see that, you know, it's not always, um, the cookie cutter idea of what we think domestic violence is. And so, um, I think ultimately my family was probably a big push and, you know, just how we grew, have grown teaching, um, not teaching, but helping other people and different ways in life. So I think that's how I ended up where I am. Okay. Excellent. All right. Catherine, thanks. Thank you so much. Is there something that we wanted that we didn't touch on that you wanted to make sure everyone knows about or? No, I think, um, we good. I think I just um, like to say, you know, that I I really enjoy my job and, you know, yes, I do work with uh, perpetrators and things like that. And people always have questions about that and uh, do the programs work and and things like that. And and studies have shown that, yes, they do. um, It's challenging um, on many different levels, but um, I always just like to put out there that, you know, I'm here for staff too. And um, I really enjoy interacting with staff and uh, helping them and teaching them. And so kind of my goal here at the agency is to make things as easy as possible for them because I know that the jobs that we all have are very difficult sometimes. So right. um, that's okay. kind of my goal with the agency. <laughs> and today is actually my nine-year anniversary. Really? Today? So uh, Well, today, awesome. Honest, so I've been here nine years. Well, congratulations. That's awesome. We always know when Catherine is busy because the door shut <laughs> to our yes. office. And we know it's either at the end of the month yes. or... Uh... The beginning of the month or yes. And uh, my, my, I enjoy 
the staff that I work with so much that it's it's difficult to <laughs> I have to shut my door to uh, get things Focus. done sometimes. All right. All right, Catherine, thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks sure. So much. Thanks. Um, and if you feel like you need uh, the services of the Family Crisis Center, um, as always, I'd like to remind you, we do have a toll-free 24-hour hotline. That number is 1-800-828-7233. That's 1-800-828-7233. And if you have any questions about what we've discussed, you can email us at conversationsandconnections at fccet.com. And be sure to subscribe. You, you can I always have a hard time that rolling off my tongue you can subscribe to conversations and connections uh, via spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, or the podcast service of your choice and remember as always be the voice if not for you for someone else